Hello and welcome to Scalpels and Tequila, a Grey's Anatomy recap podcast. I am your all-the-time host. It is me. I am here. It is Tamsin. And unfortunately, I don't have Ayla today. So we did mention last week that Ayla is actually off living her best life, sipping on coconuts, staring at the sun in Thailand on a holiday that she definitely deserves. But it means I was co-hostless, co-hostless <laughs> this week until I actually found a really awesome replacement co-host in my workmate, Carly. Now, Carly and I were just away together on a work trip and we discovered that we are both Grey's Anatomy fans. You find them in the most unlikely places, honestly, but it was great. I got to add another Grey's Anatomy friend to my to my list. It's still, you know, I can count them on one hand, but thanks to having this podcast and everyone out there listening, I feel like I have so many more Grey's Anatomy friends than ever. So it's really nice. I mean, look, we are really missing the inappropriate jokes this episode. I still think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I think we really get into it and have some really great chats. Of course, we are talking about this week's episode, season 18, episode 18, Stronger Than Hate. And let's get right into it. So you blew me off for a bottle of tequila. Tequila's no good for you. Doesn't call, doesn't write. It's not nearly as much fun to wake up to. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I just want to like maybe tell everyone a bit about who you are. So Carly and I work together on this TV show that we make and we discovered that we are both Grey's Anatomy fans, which is always really exciting for me because I have said before on this podcast that I only know about three other Grey's Anatomy fans in real life. Yeah, it was weird because we've worked together for like ages <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I've been re-watching all of Grey's Anatomy and you're like, I have a podcast. <laughs> I was like, how have we not discussed this at any point? I think I just assume that no one else I know watches it, which is really stupid, but I don't know because I haven't known that many people in my life. So I just don't really talk about it very much. It's funny. Cause like, you know, when it first started out, everyone was watching it and it, like you'd come to work the totally. next day and it was like water cooler talk. Whereas now it's kind of a guilty pleasure. I feel like it's not as much of a, like everyone's watching it, but the people that like have stuck with it are super into it. Yeah. That's so true. That's like the perfect way to explain it. So did you start watching it when it when it began back in 2005? I wasn't like a mad fan, but like my partner at the time was really into it and we would mm -hmm. get it on DVD from Blockbuster and you'd have to get like three episodes on one disc and you could only get like one disc at a time from the DVD store. So you must have started like a little bit after it had started for it to already have been on DVD. Yeah, it was. So you probably weren't watching it like um, week to week. No, we were, I think we watched like the first three seasons on DVD and then we, would, we caught up to where it was on TV. Yeah, amazing. That's, yeah. Ugh. It's so interesting. Everyone has such a different like Grey's Anatomy story, I find. Yeah, it's like it's my go-to on sick days as well. Like I'll just binge watch Grey's. A little comfort. Oh, that's nice. Do you go, do you tend to like go for the funnier episodes or the more dramatic episodes if you need like some comfort time? I go for the drama. I go for the big ones. I go for like same like pink mist same. and like same Derek getting shot. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. 
so do I. And I just thought that was always so strange. Like when you're just home or sick and I'm always like, all right, I'm just going to watch the shooting episode. You know what? Let's just put on ferry boat. It's just like the ferry boat crash. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Not the only one. That's good. Comforting. It weirdly is, I think, because you know how it ends maybe. Yeah. There's something about that. It's like this is stressful and this is hard to watch, but I know the ending, so it's not too We all, we all come through it bad. except for some people. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> so this week we are talking about Season 18, Episode 18, and I can't believe we're already here because we are almost at the very, very end, which is wild. Yeah. The season finale is next week. Mm, but it is a double, so we get two episodes for the price of one. So this episode, we always do discuss the theme of the episode on this podcast. And the more we have been doing this, the more we've realized that in the early seasons, the theme is so apparent and it's really kind of well written into the storyline and the way it kind of weaves through all the characters. They all are kind of working along the same theme or kind of going on a like a journey that all has the same concept like in their little story throughout the episode and normally that theme starts with Meredith's monologue and lately these monologues I just cannot figure out how they are connected to the episode at all oh no she's off on her own world just this is this is she's writing in a separate journal now <laughs> yes yeah, it's like a purely just a medical journal now. It's not a journal that then is connected to what's actually happening in her life. It's, yeah. It feels like it's totally different. I mean, you can kind of try and draw some really long bows towards this monologue and what's happening, but I really struggle now, whereas it used, used to be so easy. Yeah. So Meredith's monologue today, she says, our bodies play host. Meredith's monologue today says, our bodies play host to trillions of bacteria and other microbes. Microbes are found in almost every part of the body. They help us produce vitamins and stimulate our immune system. They break down food and perform many other functions that we need to survive. Microbes may sound like an uninvited guest, but they live harmoniously in our bodies. They are essential. They are an essential part of our systems. And the end of her monologue, at the end of the episode, she goes on to say that they are right where they belong. So is she, like, implying that Nick is a microbe that was unwelcome at this party. That's the only, that's the only way. Nick's a microbe. Wendell's a microbe. I don't know. That's the only thing that I can kind of draw as well. Like, but purely because she uses the word uninvited guest. It's like, okay, so you're trying to connect this to this dinner party? Yeah, but no. <laughs> Are you? That makes no sense. Because it's also kind of saying like that they they sound like they're uninvited, but they're essential and we need them. But also like it, she sets it up from the start that microbes are good. We, we're not dumb. We know we need bacteria. We know we need things to break down food. Are we saying that like the conflict and, and the change that happens in this episode is sending us in the direction that we need to go? (laughs) I mean, maybe. I don't like I'm I'm putting some really like far away dots together. That's all I can do. <laughs> Look, I'm going to keep coming back to it as we go through, but I don't think there is much we can really draw from this. Look fair. I think we we've kind of touched on the only things that it could be, but it's just very clunky. It's very clunky. I think this whole season's been 
quite clunky. And this this episode in particular just seems so far out of left field. Mm-mm. It doesn't feel connected to anything that happened last episode. Anyway, let, let, let's jump into it and we'll, yeah. So we open with Maggie and Winston and they are playing house in Meredith's house. They are hosting a dinner party. And I have asked on this podcast multiple times, where do Maggie and Winston live? And I guess, I guess this is answering it. They live at Meredith's house? They just live in babysitters. That's what they do now. Yeah, well, I guess it's they call it the sister's house. True, but I thought once Maggie got um, married, they might find their own place. No, but he was, like, living in a tent and then he was in the hotel room. And I, I don't think that the, he had a place when he moved over to Seattle. He just moved straight in with Maggie and she was living in the sister house. So, yeah, they all live together. I just want to say Maggie's jumpsuit is absolute fire in this episode. Yeah, she looks so good. Amazing. That colour is so good on her. Her hair is amazing. Izzy has some really good hair moments in the early seasons, but but we've never seen anything like what they've been doing to Maggie's hair the last few seasons. No, she's she's really turning it up. And unfortunately it is the most exciting thing about her episode, her character in this episode. Oof. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it? That is yeah. sad. It's a hot take. She's just she's become such a nothing character. Mm. And she was so interesting. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I don't know, she was just like playing house this whole episode. Mm-hmm. Her biggest like thing was that like she couldn't get dinner ready. Mm-hmm. And no one, no one was helping except Nick. No, no. I miss the days where, like, everyone got involved in Meredith's kitchen. Like, remember when April was getting, like, all the interns involved in making the turkey? Yeah. It used to be that everyone was hands-on. Yeah. Instead, everyone was, like, letting Maggie do it herself. And I was disappointed. So true. I really love all those episodes where everyone is involved and playing games and doing stuff together. But this, this dinner party is very disjointed. Everyone's just having little conversations mm. in their own little spaces. So that's kind of the setup for this dinner party. Maggie and Winston are getting ready. They're talking about how they're having this dinner party for Nick to, like, welcome him to Seattle. Mm. And then we also get set up that Meredith is at work. She's at the hospital. Bailey is coming to this dinner party today because Bailey says, don't you dare be late because I want some fun. I am ready for some fun. And Meredith says something like, I promise that I will be there, which instantly to me says she will never make it to this dinner party. That is like Grey's Anatomy Setups 101. I will be there means never. (laughs) I'll see you never. I'll see you in a little bit next month. The next setup we get is Weber and Catherine, and they are walking to Catherine to chemo because we found out last episode that Catherine's cancer is back. And the next thing we see is Meredith is trying to leave the hospital and in comes an ambulance and we meet our first patient of the day, which is Alice. And she is 72 and she has been kind of beaten up. And what's interesting is they don't actually ever explain how she was hurt. Like what exactly, what exactly happened we are just told that it was a hate crime on a bus and she has, she is, oh, yeah. Oh, I felt like the, the paramedic said that there was a guy beating on her and she was, he was saying some uh, racial slurs and telling her to go back where she came from. 
feel like we kind of did find out what happened. Yeah. Okay. So you took that as just, it was just like physical, like hit with his hands? Yeah. Just a straight up, like a, a beating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I think because I, because Levi asks the paramedic, said, says what happens and the, par- what happened and the paramedic, yeah, just talks about the hate crime stuff and says she was being abused and, um, beaten but I just I guess I wasn't sure I think normally when our characters say what happened we get some sort of description like there was a pole or they fell or they like the the actual how the wounds were created but this Mm. was more the storyline of this hate crime this like racist Asian American hate that is happening at the moment which is really sad Mm. and it's really interesting that they have built this into a story although to be honest I just think this should have been its own episode. I feel like it was set up when when I saw that victim come in and that the setup was that it was, she was a victim of a hate crime. I was like, this is this has the potential of Grey's doing what it does best. You know, it's yes bringing yes. kind of a current social issue into the public conversation, into the mainstream conversation, and um, really kind of giving giving us a chance to explore it. And I feel like they really dropped the ball on it. I feel like it really could have been given more air. That's exactly how I feel as well. Because we have had such brilliant social justice issues where they give it so much space and they really pull out all the kind of nuances to what is happening in the social climate at the moment and why this is something we should be talking about and why this is something that should be on our news all the time and why this is something that needs to change. But they just don't, they don't get into it enough. Yeah, and I think that, like, the Asian American cast did such an incredible job. I think that they really nailed it, but I think that the writers could have given it a lot more room. Yeah, they could have picked out those nuances and had more conversations and had tougher conversations and probably had tougher conversations to the white cast members mm. as well and not just to each other. Yeah, because I because definitely I think felt... In the- there's all other episodes like the Black Lives Matter episode where Maggie has a big, incredible monologue that she says to Amelia and Amelia kind of learns from that and learns to listen and learns to be quiet and let Maggie speak. And that's like a really, a, that's a really beautifully done moment. And mm. I feel like there could have been some more moments like that in this. So, yes, this character, Alice, we said she is 74 and she has come in and her whole family is here and they are in the waiting room. Nico comes in. So basically she needs plastic surgery. So she needs our new head of plastics who we don't see very often, but she makes it into this episode. Dr. Michelle Lynn. There you go. And we get Nico because she also needs some ortho. And every time Nico is on the screen, I get so happy. We don't get enough of him anymore. I really liked the tie-in of... When you see Nico in the on-call room and he's punched the wall and that tie-in of, mm. of not mm-hmm. seeing the violence but seeing the aftermath of the violence in the same way that um, you don't see what happened to Annie but you see the aftermath of that, I think that was a really interesting comment on what we, you know, as, as a white community, a lot of the time we don't see what what is happening outside of our little bubble, but we do see the results of it. And really it's, you know, our responsibility as well to step in and support 
what other people are going through. I love that you explained it like that because when I saw this, I was really confused by it and I was like, why didn't we get to see Nico have that moment? I wanted to see him uh, having all those emotions and feeling those feelings and I wanted to see that the the, uh, the saying the violence sounds bad, but I wanted to see that moment. I thought it would be really powerful, but the way you've explained it makes it make so much more sense and act. Yeah, because because at, at the end of the day, it was important for Schmidt to come in and support Nico through that moment. Just because he wasn't there for the whole thing doesn't mean that his support wasn't needed and and, and wasn't necessary. I guess we do get. Um, a really great conversation in the OR room when surgery is happening. We get new head of plastics and she says that when she was li- when she was younger, she used to try and buy makeup to make her seem, she's kind of saying like more American, which in her mind is more white. And she also says um, because that's what she saw on TV and that's what she thought was normal. And Nico asks, do you ever think we will stop being seen as foreign? And that's when we get Queen Boki speaking for the second time in her Grey's Anatomy history, in her reign, and she says, we are Americans. Your face is American. And what a line. What a line. Yeah. It's so good. That made me cry. Oh, that made me have real feelings. It was so beautiful. And look, she doesn't not need to speak very often because she is so powerful when she does. I think it is so powerful because she is so silent and she's always there. She's almost like that character that is always watching, knows everything. You can tell that she is like so wise. And because she is older, she does, you know, she is kind of on a pedestal of like wisdom and knowledge. So for her to speak especially because she doesn't speak very often. It is so strong and so powerful. And I do want to talk a little bit about Boki um, because we have sort of mentioned on this podcast uh, in the early seasons, but I'm just going to say it again here because it is worth repeating that Boki, Boki's real name is Boki Ann and she has been in Grey's Anatomy the entire time. She is a real life scrub nurse and she used to work at St. John's Hospital in L.A., She retired in 2015 when she was 76 years old after being a scrub nurse for 56 years. She's incredible. She actually just did a really interesting article in Bustle just that just came out after this episode aired about how she does get recognized in the street for her role on Grey's Anatomy and she gets called Queen Bokey quite a lot. And that when Sandra Oh was in the show, they had like such a special connection because they are both Korean and she was kind of like Sandra Oh's second mum. And it's just, it's just so lovely, this like family that she's got on the Grey's Anatomy set, because even though she's not a scrub nurse in real life anymore and she is retired and she's 83, she still comes and does, does scenes on Grey's. I just think that's so cute. She's amazing. She's amazing. So luckily this surgery goes well. Um, There is a little bit of a hiccup at one point where they end up performing the abdominal surgery in the room and Meredith and Levi jump in and get that done. But she is fine and they are able to tell her whole waiting family that she's going to be okay, which is really nice. I, I did think it was odd that Meredith was the one talking to the family. I thought... I thought maybe Nico should have done it. I felt that uh, 
Meredith's presence wasn't needed for that story. Just thought that was the wrong choice. Yeah, it definitely had like that bad taste of white savior moment because you had Schmidt coming in to help Nico and then you had um, both Schmidt and Meredith being the ones to deliver the good news and to get the thanks from the family. Yeah, I know that Michelle and Nico were there as well, but they were just in the background a little bit. Secondary. Yeah, when I really think they they were the first ones operating, they were the first ones in the OR. I know that Meredith came in at the last minute and did like the emergency surgery in the room, but I just... But, but they were the prim- primary physicians on the case, I felt. Yes, they were. I definitely felt that too. And I, I, I feel like maybe the reason Meredith spoke to the family is because Meredith made that connection with the family earlier when they told her, like, can you make sure Alice knows that we're here and she's not alone and Meredith did that for them. So maybe that's why, but I still don't think Meredith was the right choice for that either. Yeah, I definitely think that someone else could have taken on that role as well. And particularly because at the beginning she was trying to leave to go to the party and Schmidt said to her, you know, I'm glad that you're going to the party because it gives the residents you know, the chance to step up and and she commented that she remembers what it was like to be in that position. Yeah. And then uh, yes, as yes. soon as the, the ambulance rolled up, she's like, no, scrap that, I'm staying. Like, <laughs> she didn't even give them that choice, that chance. No, and they definitely had enough, they had enough surgeons in there. Meredith didn't need to be there. They had two, like, heads of, that head of cardio, head of plastics. They, they were fine. Mm. Yeah, they had their ortho surgeon, they had their plastic surgeon, and you know Schmidt is a general sur- surgery resident, and I'm sure they had other general surgeons on staff, like on call, that they did not yeah. need Meredith there. They would have been fine. Richard was upstairs. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and we know that Catherine wouldn't have minded if he stepped down to do a surgery. In fact, I think she would have rather enjoyed that. I think she would have been relieved. Which is the perfect segue into talking about this other storyline happening today, which did feel a bit like the C storyline. It didn't really feel that important compared to other things going on this week. Yeah. So it starts with Richard saying to Catherine he will be there for all of her chemos. He's never leaving her side. And then they get to chemo and we realise that some patients from last week, Simon and Kristen, are there as well. Mm. So Link and Joe's patients from last week. Again, I don't, I don't entirely know why they're there. I feel like I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop on yep. their significance. Like obviously it's a very yep. sad storyline, but it totally. just there's so much else going on and it doesn't really seem, other than to create conflict between Joe and Link last week, and to give Richard a reason to leave the room today, like it didn't really seem to be having too much of an impact on the the hospital, you know? Well, I just don't think we're that connected to this couple. We have definitely been very connected to patients in the past a lot of the time. And for some reason, this couple just isn't really connecting. Although I must say, I love her as an actress. I think she's really incredible and she's very like. Oh, she's great. She really lights up the screen. She's she's really good. But I just also, mm. I already know this storyline is just going to end badly. It doesn't feel like there's a happy ending here. They're not really giving us much either. Like it just, they felt like a distraction. Nah. I know that when 
we had that amazing conversation with Catherine and Richard where Catherine was finally being honest about how she was feeling and how she how Richard was smothering her and um, they had this great DNM. The whole time I was like distracted by old mate having a nap in the the bed next to her because I thought he had died. <laughs> and I was and I thought that that was going to be the other shoe dropping. I thought oh that my gosh, him yes. passing away whilst her his wife was, mm. you know, not even in the same room was going to mm. be that moment and I was just kept getting distracted from this great conversation because I'm going, can someone please check on him? <laughs> Is he okay? Well, it's funny. It's funny you say that because that would have actually made more, like made these storylines connect a little bit more because yeah. often in Grey's Anatomy when these episodes are really good and what Grey's is known for is kind of mirroring the patient's illnesses and what all the patient's storylines to our doctor's storylines. Mm. And the doctors normally learn about their own lives through helping these patients out. So I think they were trying to mirror Catherine and Richard with this couple somehow. I mean, again, we're drawing such long bows for everything now. The I think maybe he needed some space as well in the same way that Catherine feels like she needs space from Richard, which is what her little her little spiel is about. She kind of says that she he just needed a little nappy nap. He just needed a nap. And Catherine just needs some space to think and to not feel like she has cancer all the time. She wants some joy. She wants to yeah. live her life. But I feel like that's what she said last time. Like when she initially had cancer, you know, a few seasons back, that was her stance then. And I feel like it's strange that mm-hmm. they're coming back to that. Like Richard has didn't learn anything from that first time and doesn't know that that's how she likes to go about her treatment. And totally, yeah, I, I thought, Totally. I mean, she kept it a secret for a reason last time. She kept it a secret for a reason this time. So I think it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear how she wants to handle this. And I don't know. He just keeps forgetting. Read the room, mate. Exactly. So we also should just mention the reason Kristen is not there is because she's been taken by Joe to the OB ward because she's having Braxton Hicks contractions. So Joe is Mm. just checking her out. And that's kind of all we know this week. But I'm assuming they are building up to something for the season finale that is coming up. I'm sure something will happen with these two. Mm-hmm. And then we really need to get into our kind of main storyline of this episode, which is the most uncomfortable, awkward dinner party I've ever seen. Not the most awkward. I feel like it. I would have left. I would have gone home early. Oh, yeah. I Be Like, sorry, got a call. Heading back to the hospital. Totally. So Maggie and Winston seem to be hosting this dinner party at Meredith slash their house slash where they do all their babysitting. Mm-hmm. And it's a dinner party for Nick. It's a welcome to Seattle dinner party. And who do we have? Winston is so upset that he didn't have his own welcome to Seattle dinner party in the middle of COVID. Which would actually be a an interesting thing for these two to kind of fight about because what Ayla actually mentioned last week is that out of nowhere, Winston and Maggie seem to start seem to have just started talking about how they're having problems in their marriage, which feels like it came out of nowhere. Considering we haven't really seen them have a marriage, it feels weird. <laughs> exactly. We saw them come back from their honeymoon and they were like having sex everywhere and then working together and now they're having problems. Well, they're just living in Meredith's house, aren't they? Like, they don't even have a place. They were in a tent. Now they're in the house. I mean, yeah. That would cause 
problems. <laughs> I feel like living with your new wife's two sisters and their army of children is enough to put strain on even the strongest oh, of relationships. Definitely. They live in this like child menagerie. It's a lot. It's really a lot. And that's kind of what we see this episode. So Teddy and Owen come over and they mm. are actually the only couple to not bring their kid, which I thought was really strange because who else comes over but Kai and Amelia. And last week we just had this moment where mm. Amelia was telling Teddy all about Kai and then we don't get this sweet moment of Kai and Teddy and Leo having a chat. I feel like they were kind of setting setting it up so that Kai and Leo could kind of have some sort of interaction or Teddy could talk to Kai, but that just fizzled and didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of stuff that happened last week was not picked up on. Like Weber's massive epiphany about teaching became absolutely nothing this episode. Yeah. Except to be like, go home and have a nap. (laughs) Yeah. Your hours are too long. But yeah, no, I agree. Like, I feel like it was set up that there was a potential for, like, either Kai to be, you know, almost like a role model for um, Leo or for even mm-hmm. just to have a really great, like, conversation with um, Teddy. And there almost was, like, with um, Kai and Owen with the weird, super awkward <laughs> train track conversation. Okay, so we have to talk about this super awkward train dialogue. This conversation doesn't actually, like, make any sense. Like, it doesn't sound like two people talking. Owen, so they're playing with the trains, and Owen says, I really wanted one of these as a kid. Kai's response straight away is, I like the Y-shaped pieces. The idea that you could veer off the main course but still be on track really intrigued me. And then Owen says, I just thought trains were cool. When you break it down, people do not talk about that. But I feel like. (laughs) Like when you actually look at it written down, that is not a conversation. I feel like Kai's comment could have led to a really interesting discussion about, I guess, gender fluidity, et cetera, with with a parent who is going through this with their child at the moment. But I feel like Owen being Owen just it just went over his head. <laughs> Absolutely. But it was awkward dialogue. Completely over his head. But I just I I'm really sick of them darting around having these conversations and instead using like really weird metaphors, like the ice oh, cream metaphor mate. last week. I also just feel like, like, do you want chocolate chip or do you want mint? Well, you don't chip? need to choose right now. Leo doesn't have to decide stop right now. It. I j- it's this. It's the same thing again. Like, stop treating us like we're children. Write in an adult conversation about yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like even this is probably the first time Teddy and Owen have actually been able to. Well, we don't know, but in what we know is that this is probably the first time they've been around an non-binary person. Yeah. I feel like last week's conversation with Amelia was almost as though, like, they've used this whole relationship with Kai 
to create this moment for Amelia to help Teddy through whatever moment she was having Mm -hmm. last week. And that made it feel really cheap because it was like as if they couldn't Mm -hmm. have empathy for a person or a situation without being like, actually, I'm banging someone who was non-binary and therefore I have empathy for non-binary people. Like, like as though you can't just mm-hmm. be totally empathetic totally. without that. Yeah. I don't know. It felt really cheap and it felt yeah. really tokenistic and it made like Kai's whole presence, especially now that potentially they're not coming back, really disappointing because it made it feel like they breezed in and breezed out without any kind of real storyline. And no, I was so excited about Kai's character at the start because I really did feel like it wasn't tokenistic at all. I felt like they they brought in this character who was a fully rounded person, and we were starting to get to know them. And what we were getting to know most of the time wasn't about the fact that they were non-binary. Mm. It was other things. It was about how much they loved science and why they were studying and why they were doing this and who um, David Hamilton was to this person and how. Yeah. And then, yes, we definitely got the non-binary stuff as well as Amelia started to learn and have questions and we did learn about Kai in that way. But it Kai felt like person first, whole rounded human being first and not tokenistic non-binary person. And now I think that that's fizzled down. And now it's swapped. Yeah. Yeah. Because all of Kai's dialogue is so... Almost metaphorical. <sighs> yes. Yeah, I I felt like they started off as this really great rounded character and then they reduced them down to just a fraction of what they were. And it's just, yeah, it's disappointing. It's disappointing. It's really disappointing. It's really disappointing. Feels like Kai might be leaving, leaving the show. Feels like maybe that's the end of the road for this character, which sucks. Uh, But, like, I understand. I think that, like, they have had to, they've had single Amelia, essentially, this whole build up of their relationship. They had work Amelia, they had hotel room Amelia, um, they had Minnesota Amelia. They've not had exactly the child menagerie Amelia of Seattle, which is what they're seeing here. Mum Amelia, Aunt Amelia, Sister Amelia. This Kai was thrown in the deep end today, in the deep, deep end. And Amelia, I think, treated Kai terribly did them dirty so hard. Amelia disappeared for ages. Even like Link was concerned. He came up and was like, uh, you have a date downstairs. Totally. And I know I've been complaining that we haven't seen Amelia be a mum. We haven't seen Amelia and Scout for so long that it but really is this felt the like- time? <laughs> no, this isn't the time. This is exactly the problem. This isn't the time. I was really enjoying Amelia and Kai even though I totally understand and Kai has been very insistent on the fact that they don't want kids, they don't want a family, they want to work and they have other goals, totally fine, totally valid. Mm. And then Amelia's just like, hey, here's all these eight kids. Can you look after this one for me? I'm going to go look after that one. Be friends with all of these people. I'll see you later. Of course Kai's going to go, oh, this is not what I wanted. This isn't what I signed up for. Absolutely not. Mm. There was no easing in to this. This was deep end. Yeah, I'm out. I'm outy. Bye. It's such a shame. But maybe when Meredith's in Minnesota, we will see more Kai. I don't think we're going to see 
I don't think we're going to see Minnesota again. Ooh, hot I take. think we're going to see one more season. Yeah, this is my hot take. I think we're going to see one more season of Meredith here. And I think the show's going to end after season 19. Ooh. This is my hot take. This is what I've been thinking this week. Interesting. Meredith seems, sorry, so so out of left field. Since Meredith had her her big her big monologue to Bailey about how she needs to be able to leave, everyone else has left. It's unfair. She's given so much of herself. Um, since that speech happened, Meredith seems so much lighter, so much happier. It's like a weight has gone off her shoulders. It really feels like she's... Yeah. There's essence of the old Meredith back again that's, like, just happy to be there. And now, at the end of this episode, I'm going to jump ahead because we're here, but at the end of this episode, Amelia gives Nick permission for Meredith to go. And I have a feeling we're going to keep getting permissions like that from characters, which is kind of for us, the audience, to hear and to accept and to understand that the show is ending. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's my thoughts. Nice. Speaking of Nick, Nick has some really interesting conversations at this dinner party. Mm. The most awkward one, I think, is with Link. Yes. Very strange. I thought that Link's general presence at the party was odd. I thought it was a strange invite. Like, because he's not with Amelia anymore. Mm -hmm. He didn't necessarily need to bring Scout to the party. I actually feel like the party would have been better if Scout wasn't there. No offense, Scout. Yeah, sorry, Scout. Like, because Amelia would have been more involved. Yeah. So I didn't think that his presence, like, I, I, who invited him was really my question. That's so true. That's so, so true. Because who is Link's friends? Joe. Well, apparently not Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe, though, we are getting to the start of a friendship between Link and Teddy, maybe. Mm. So the first weird conversation with Link is with Nick. And Nick. I thought Nick was trying to make friends today, but this conversation made me question Nick's intentions. Link is really trying to be Mm. good at the start of this. He's trying to include Nick. He's trying to get to know Nick. He asks Nick, like, hey, do you like music? Nick just keeps shutting him down. Nah. Do you like sports? Nah. And then... Nick sort of starts asking about Scout and says, are you and Amelia, the parents of Scout? And Link says, yes, and, oh, you must know Kai. And then Nick sort of starts rattling off all of Kai's achievements. Link gets a bit bristly Mm. and says, are you trying to tell me that my ex traded up? And Nick's response is, hard to say, I haven't known you that long. Bro, you are not making friends here. No! It's a bit rude, isn't it? Yeah. I don't understand what Nick's intentions at this party was. I thought I did, which was, you know, make friends. Now I'm not so sure. I was confused by Nick for most of this episode because he seemed really, he was pale, he was sweaty, he seemed unwell and awkward the whole time. Like his, I was feeling really suspicious (laughs) of him. And I thought that all of his interactions were off. Well, that's and interesting because did you make note of that that little comment that Maggie made that seemed yes. really out of the blue and really yes. offhand? She says 
something along the lines of, do you think maybe Nick is a con man too? Because the only other person that has charmed me as much as your brother has is Nick. Yeah, that was and really I weird. was like, that's weird. Is that like, are you signaling something? Are you signposting something? Is this going to... Is this going to go somewhere else? An odd thing to say because I found him very charming in previous episodes. I thought he was a lovely person for Meredith to be getting to know um, and he seemed to really care about her and be making an effort with her friends and family. And then tonight he was just like mm-hmm. on a different bus. I don't know. I was I was very distrustful of him this whole episode. I do think he was making friends with Bailey though. I mean they were kind of... Mm. competing with each other about how smart they both were and how good they were at board games and crosswords. and The Boggle made a reappearance. Honestly, Teddy needed to let Boggle go. I actually, I really like Boggle. I think if I was at this party, I would have said yes and I would have played Boggle with Teddy. I was on on Team Boggle. (laughs) (laughs) She was so intent on, like, proving how fun she was. And, and she ended up shading Maggie because of it. And she was like, let's play some board games. And she's like, well, it's a dinner party. And she's like, well, well dinner's not ready. I was like, well, may- maybe you should help. <laughs> maybe, maybe dig in and, and give Maggie a hand instead of trying to distract everyone with Boggle. No one was helping. No one was helping Maggie. So I think the next thing we need to talk about regarding Nick is this conversation that Nick has with Amelia towards the end of the episode. Mm. With a single tear rolling down her mm. cheek. So Amelia's basically just been broken up with and she's pretty heartbroken, mm. but she's still able to give Nick mm. her blessing. I thought that was very sweet. Um, I do, I don't know, I do find it kind of patronising that, like, everyone seems to be feeling the need to give Meredith permission and also to be giving Nick permission to take Mm. Meredith away, which, I don't know, it feels a bit strange to me, but I guess I don't live at Grace Life. I think Meredith feels like, and I think this is kind of part of her big speech she did to Bailey a few weeks ago, she feels like other people are forcing her to stay. She feels like she's doing this for other people. Mm. That her so what I actually talked about with Ayla when when Meredith did this big speech is that I believe that that big speech was actually aimed at the audience. It was aimed at us. It wasn't actually aimed at Bailey. It was Ellen Pompeo talking directly to her audience, saying, "Let me go." Yeah, I'm the face of this huge brand. I'm the face of this show. She's very aware that if she leaves, the show ends. All these people will lose their jobs. And the, all this fandom will lose this TV show that they've been loving for 18 years. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. So I feel like yeah, like of Meredith's speech was Ellen saying, I have given my life, I've given above and beyond, I've gone above and beyond for this show. You have to let me go. So many other people have been allowed to be let go. It's time and you have to let me go. And then I feel like Amelia's little speech to Nick I feel like she represents potentially all the other cast members or all the crew involved in the show being like, it's okay, you can go. And I'm sure we're going to get 
more kind of sentiments like this throughout the end till the end of the season that might represent different people, might represent us as the audience, other people kind of giving this permission. And I do understand what what you mean. It is kind of patronising, but I think Meredith and Ellen feel feel like they are being held down by a lot of people. And I think they do need permission to go and not feel guilty. Mm. I think that's what the show is kind of trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that given how I felt about Nick in this episode and how distrustful Mm. I felt of him, that it felt a little, I guess, icky to be given, like, the go-ahead from Amelia and just being given that kind of, like, a please don't hurt my sister moment. I don't know. it It felt a bit off to me because I felt like it was almost a setup for him to be doing something that never really eventuated in this episode mm. but potentially could in the future mm. episode to be I wonder doing if this is kind of setting up Amelia up trusting Nick and maybe cruise, not trusting Nick and some sort of like push and pull situation around this character that might cause some tension between mm. these sisters potentially. I actually wrote down some of what Amelia says. She says, I think you make her happy. She deserves to be happy. Others mm. would have been broken by a fraction of what she has survived. I want her life to be full of love and joy, and my only ask of you is that you want that too. Mm. And I think that is a really nice thing to say to someone. Yeah, because it's not even so much like don't hurt her. It's like I want you to want what's best for her. Totally. Yeah, totally. And, yeah, I think it is a sweet – I think it's a sweet moment. I think Amelia is – heartbroken and shattered and it's pretty amazing to see someone who has been so dependent on other people for so long like Amelia has been because you know she hasn't been very strong within herself for a number of reasons to kind of get to this point where even though she's just had a breakup and she's talking about the time when her brother passed away she's able to have that that knowledge that she's going to be okay without someone as important to her as Meredith Mm. I think I think it's a big it's a big thing for Amelia. I'm kind of proud yeah. of her. Proud of her. I also felt I felt like it was also almost setting Amelia up for something tragic as well. Like she was talking about how you know yeah, Meredith went away previously. Oh yeah. Because she was going through so much heartbreak and so much so much isolation and and so much loneliness and that she's never felt closer to her mm. than in that moment. I felt like maybe it was alluding to Amelia maybe wanting to disappear or something at the moment. Ooh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Mm. Okay. All right. I feel I feel like we need to talk about um, Link's interesting conversation with Teddy. Oh, yes. Very important. There's a lot of, of weird conversations this, this little dinner party. Yeah. I thought it was one of my favourite Teddy moments in a really long time. She actually gives some really, really good advice, really sound advice for someone who might be a little bit tipsy. 
yeah, a couple of bevies under the belt there, <laughs> old Teddy. Um, no one's playing boggle with her, so she had a few bevies instead. Exactly. But she's uh, for someone who's maybe needed a lot of advice recently, she actually was doling out some good stuff. Yeah, totally. Link is talking to Teddy about Joe and he mentions that he may have had some small occasional feelings for her and asks Teddy. Sometimes maybe. Sometimes maybe. <laughs> asks Teddy, like, should I tell her that? I think Link's feeling pretty protective of Joe. Pretty, He's missing her so much. It's very clear he doesn't have any friends, which we kind of established just before. Mm. Well, he is the pity invite at this party. Exactly. And Teddy says, no, do not tell her that. <laughs> No, sit down and shut up, Link, is I think what she said. (laughs) Because you absolutely should not tell someone if you kind of maybe sometimes have a bit of a feeling kind of maybe. No, that's just not, it's not worth it. (laughs) No, and especially like this is your friend who is finally in a great, like, Mm -hmm supposedly great relationship with a really nice person and what you're going to throw them un- under the bus or throw a, a spanner in the works for like mm-hmm. the shadow of the memory of a feeling that you maybe have like that's she just doesn't need to be confused right now just let her be happy for a little bit she has had some terrible relationships she's had a really hard time mm. just let her be happy for a little bit yeah, and and to be honest, like it's probably just you really miss your friend. I get it. Mm. Let her let her have her moment. She's she's been through some stuff. Yeah, and if you guys are true friends and you've been friends for such a long time, she'll come back. She'll miss you too soon. Yeah. She's just she's doing two jobs right now, and she has a new partner, so there's no time. And a baby. She's got she that new no relationship time. energy. Exactly. Just give her a moment. Speaking of Teddy, as they are leaving the party, I do want to circle back to the fact that Teddy and Owen get a bit frisky in a car out the front. Because she's trying to be fun Teddy. (laughs) She's trying to be fun Teddy. Ambassador of fun, remember? Exactly. Bailey knocks on the window and says, "Uh, you guys have kids. Like, stop it. (laughs) Something like that. How do you think we made them? (laughs) (laughs) And I just really loved this moment because this circles back to the first time that this happens. This is a callback to when Meredith and Derek are having sex in a car out the front of a party and Bailey is the one to knock on the window and catch them. It's just a nice little callback. Yeah. It's a nice little Easter egg for longtime Grey's friends in there. And I really, really liked it. Cool. (laughs) So the last thing we have to talk about, and I very regretfully we say we have to talk about this because I just do not care about this storyline. I'm so sorry. But Wendell. <sighs> How boring. I know. So for some reason, one of the main storylines this episode is not about one of our lead characters, not about our lead character's partner, but about our lead character's partner's brother that has appeared out of nowhere been swindling around the place and now he's living in a hotel on Winston's credit card and he decides to invite himself over for dinner and talk to Winston and Maggie about how he has these guys after him because he borrowed some money and he hasn't paid them back and now it's like we're in some sort of crime drama. 100% yawn. Like absolute yawn town. I feel like it had the potential to be really interesting. I feel like 
it w- but it became such a nothing storyline. I, I thought that it had like the loan sharks and the danger and all of that kind of thing could have been a really interesting Grey's moment, mm. but it was just diluted and it was like passed over and it was absolutely just, I wanted him to go away. I was like, do you know what? Get out of here. Yeah, same. I think it's because it's too far removed from what, from our leads. It's too far removed from what we follow in our characters. And even mm-hmm. the climax, even the big revelation was boring. So the big revelation is that Wendell has been, you know, manipulating everyone tonight. Front, he's hunched over, he's on phone calls, he's crying out for attention in that way you do when you're a teenager at a party and you... Look at me, I'm sad. Yeah, someone asked me what's wrong. I'm really sad. I'm not going to tell you if you don't ask me, but I'm really sad. I want you to know. I'm going <laughs> to sit on this bench directly in front of the window so everyone can see me sulking. <laughs> Even though I think people are after me and chasing me, I'm going to sit right outside. I'm just making a target of myself from these dangerous people that are following and looking for me (laughs) and I have to get out of town tonight because it's so dangerous that I'll sit under this light (sighs) out the front. (laughs) So what ends up happening is Maggie ends up kind of feeling sorry for him or kind of just wanting to go away and so does Winston and he ends up manipulating both of them into lending them into lending him ten thousand dollars each. Each. Now, I'm not trying to act like I don't think $10,000 is a lot of money. I understand the value of how much $10,000 is to a lot of people. What I'm trying to point out is that I think this could have been a bigger deal if this was more money than these two probably make in a morning at work. Uh Uh-huh. These are two very successful cardiothoracic surgeons who probably make Some big coin, some really big coin. I just don't think $10,000 each, I just don't think it drives the drama being this amount of money. (sighs) I don't know. (laughs) I think that these two are easily on six, maybe seven figures. Yeah. And $10,000 is couch coin. I just think they're going to earn it back in their first surgery of the morning tomorrow. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I 100% agree. That doesn't take away the fact that Winston lied to them and cheated them both out of money and manipulated them. That's where the drama kind of should be. But the fact that they made a big deal about how much it was. The the stakes weren't high enough. The stakes stakes were basically nothing. Exactly. The stakes were not high enough. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know where that's going to go. As much as I want there to be payoff for it because we've wasted so much time on it, I also kind of just want it to disappear. Like I'm so bored with it. So bored. Unless something really happens where it's connected to Maggie. Yeah. I think I'm just disappointed that Maggie doesn't have her own storylines, that she's kind of just like support for her partner whose brother has a storyline. Like that pisses me off. Yeah, she used to have such amazing storylines as well and now she's just like – She's such an interesting character. Her backstory is so cool. Yeah, the most interesting thing that's happening for her this this episode is that she hasn't got dinner ready and, like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> totally. 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 Yeah. How disappointing. What a strange, strange episode. And that kind of wraps it up. 
Yeah. I feel like just so much from last episode was like absolutely left on on the curb. Mm-hmm. Like we we got no follow-on from like Meredith's big moments last episode. We got no follow-on from Weber's big epiphany or mm-hmm. the fact that we need more teachers or better teaching. None of that was touched on this episode. It just felt like it existed in its own little bubble. Yeah, definitely. But I, I thought that Boki was the standout. Her one line made the oh. whole bloody episode. Yeah, and she's really deserving all the praise that she's getting on social media at the moment, all the love that she's getting, all of the Queen Boki memes that they are well-deserved. And is what an absolute icon. queen. Love her. Mm. Thank you so much for coming and chatting to me. It was so nice. Thanks for having me. It was lovely to be here. Yeah, it was great. I love that um, even talking to someone else, so I don't talk to about this every week, but it's nice to hear that you're sharing a lot of the same sentiments and frustrations that we have. So it's nice to know that we're mm. not just kind of talking about this in a vacuum and that other Grey's fans feel the same way. And it really does feel like hopefully they're mm. leading up to something in the grand finale next week. Oh, mate, I can't wait to see what they what happens with um, can't wait. everyone. But also I'm just really excited to see uh, Jackson and April again. That is my main excitement, honestly. I can't wait. I'm a huge J-Pro fan. I loved them together. Mm. And I have a feeling it's probably going to be that maybe Catherine isn't doing so good. True. They might also be coming back to help the hospital, like because neither of them are really practicing. Totally. At the moment, they're both totally physician shortage. Physician shortage. Can we yell it again? It's been said a lot. Physician shortage. Let's bring everyone back. Have you heard about the physicians shortage? Oh my gosh, no. There's a physician shortage. Yeah, there's a physicians. I can't even say it. Physicians shortage. Physician shortage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Hopefully, we'll get some more on that. Yeah next week um i'm gonna let you go because we start work early tomorrow yeah we do (laughs) thank you so much carly thank you for having me (laughs) have a great night bye Bye. 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 Bye.